This is the final whistle on Ocean FM. The National Football League returns. It's all change in Donegal. So does that make them playoff contenders or relegation candidates? We'll get the verdicts of the new manager and the new captain. And the almighty scramble to climb out of Division 4 begins once again for Leitrim and Sligo. Andy Moran thinks it's an eight-horse race. We'll assess the prospects of both the Northwest counties. Sligo have named the 26-man panel tonight. We'll run you through the names. And you're welcome to the programme. This is Austin O'Callaghan. Here are the contact details. 083 3500 530 by WhatsApp and text. The email address, if you prefer that way, sport at oceanfm.ie and we're on Twitter right now at oceanfmsport. So coming up, Leitrim's Andy Morn, Donegal's Paddy McBrearty, Sligo's Noel Maguire. Also coming up on the programme, we'll hear why Sligo Racecourse is one of five courses national who are unhappy with Horse Racing Ireland and how it's dividing up the media rights money at the moment. But we're going to start with school soccer because tonight St Attractus Community School in Tubbacurry are celebrating a schoolgirls FAI Connacht Senior A Cup title. Today they beat Clare Galway in the final in La Carrow in County Roscommon by one goal to nil. This was a repeat of the Junior Cup decider last year which attracted Attractors also won. Emer Hunt scored the Attractors match-winning goal. Pixie O'Hara is the Attractors team captain. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. Like, just for the second year in the row, obviously we knew it was going to be tough, but having to fight through it all, it was just amazing to get the result in the end. And it was a tough physical game. Clare Galway, a tough physical team. I suppose, how did you cope with that from your own point of view? Well, in the first half, obviously it was very physical, but we knew that we couldn't just stand off them and kept pushing in the second half and... You know, we came out with it on top, which is what we wanted, so it was great. And you must have, I suppose, thought that the ball would never go into the back of net, but when that goal goes in from here, Hunt, how does that feel? Oh, it was absolutely amazing. I think we, in the second half, we could tell that it was definitely coming anyway. We got a few chances, even in the first half, it hit off the crossbar a few times, but once that hit the back of the net, I think we all just, it was a bit of a relief having to wait for it, but, you know, it was just great. We were all delighted. And finally, an All-Ireland semi-final to look forward to next Tuesday. Oh yeah, I can't wait. You know, the girls, we know we have to push on. We got there to the semi-final last year and it didn't go our way. So, you know, we just want to keep pushing on and get into the final and hopefully it goes our way this year. That's St. Attractors captain Pixie O'Hara, who's also a member of the Sligo Rovers first team squad and a current Republic of Ireland under 19 international. She was talking to Ronan Flanagan there. Attractors All Ireland semi against Cork St. Mary's High School of Middleton will be next Tuesday at lunchtime, one o'clock kickoff. Here is Andrew Flynn, who, along with Huey Harvey, coaches this Attractors Connacht Cup winning side. Just relief to get through it. Um, such, such a hard fought game. A battle, an absolute battle. Like not, not a lot of football played. Maybe in parts of the game, um, either team could have easily won. It. First goal was well, obviously it was only one nil, but if whoever got that first goal, it was obviously going to be massive. Um, and just relief, and now turning quickly to excitement for Tuesday for the All Ireland semi finals. Looking forward to that. And we can touch on today's game. I suppose you mentioned there wasn't much football played, but you certainly had a great foundation with your defence. 
yeah, I think like we were maybe not much football played in terms of what we normally would be able to produce. Um, Defence-wise, absolutely excellent. And like the goal coming from um, Emer Hunt, who was right back, well, one of our three centre-halves, um, getting the goal in the second half. But it was just one of those things you felt if, if a... If a chance just dropped, just chances weren't dropping. It was just such such a hard fought game, um, and for Clare Galway, like it's obviously disappointing for them. It could have easily been them that won the game, um, but obviously, thank God that we came out on top. And it's the second Connacht Schools title for the school in two years, as far as I'm aware. Junior last year, senior this year. Is soccer making a a strong, I suppose, imprint in St. Tractor School at the moment? I think at the moment it's on the up. Yeah, we were under 17s Connacht A. Winners last year against Clare Galway as well, um, as it happened. Uh, and Clare Galway at this level won the All Ireland last year. So it's great. But like, we have a bunch of players there at the moment since first year coming in that are all involved at a high level outside the school. If you have people playing with Rovers senior team, Rovers uh, under 19 team, Rovers 17 team, and you have an Irish international in there as well. So like, the quality in the team from female soccer is unbelievable. So hopefully that continues. Andrew Flynn of Attractus speaking to Ronan Flanagan after their Connacht Cup final success. And there could be a Sligo provincial double on the cards in girls soccer because Kulapo's primary school today beat St. Joseph's of Foxford 3-1 to qualify for the Connacht Senior B school soccer final. They're going to play Boyle in that provincial decider next week. It is a hammering here and Donegal, that is the fault of Muscle. Donegal are out. Armagh have cruised in to the quarterfinals of the All-Ireland Football Championship. Armagh 3-17. Donegal 16 points. Mark McHugh so, so disappointing and there's nothing to sugarcoat. It's been a disappointing year. It's been a disappointing few years. Yeah, it has, Paddy, and there's no point saying anything. You know, we've left I suppose Ulster titles behind us that we felt like we were going to win. Um, and I don't know, you know, today obviously is so disappointed, but the manner of the defeat today, you know, 10-point defeat to Armagh, who we beat a few weeks ago, I know it's hard coming back after an Ulster final, and we probably look back a few weeks ago at that, and, we, you know, we weren't brave enough to go for it that day. Uh, the, 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 the talk, obviously, of maybe having fear, um, you know, that day, probably everybody's, you know, has been speaking about that. In the Sorry to do that to you, Donegal fans. That was June the 12th last year, Donegal's championship exit in the qualifiers as described by Mark McHugh and Paddy McGill. Fast forward seven months and so much has changed. Michael Murphy will be a spectator like the rest of us this weekend. Declan Bonner is back managing his home club, Narossa. Paddy Carr is the new man leading the way now from the sideline. The Donegal manager spoke to Ocean FM Sport yesterday about this new era, which begins on Sunday with an Allianz Football League Division 1 opener against who else? The league and All-Ireland champions, Kerry. If I got the chance to put my hand into a hat and pull out a team, you know, you know the, the team with the kind of pedigree and uh, tradition and obviously the very recent success that they have, you know, who, who else would you like to measure yourself against other than the best? And they certainly have proven that uh, last year. There's never a good time to play Kerry, but yeah. if you had to pick the best of a bad bunch, might it be match one? Yeah, well, look, um, just on that, you know, the amount of energy that's in the squad and the amount of time, effort and energy that has been put in by these lads over the last number of weeks has been hugely encouraging. 
And I suppose people, it's natural people will ask that question, you know, is this a good time to be playing Kerry? Uh, the reality is, with the squad, we're just focusing entirely on ourselves because we're only just getting to know these lads on, on a, every time we meet, uh, every time we talk to them, and there's lots of private conversations going on as well. And I suppose, like, uh, it, it, the, the exciting and uh, the, the kind of a healthy nervousness uh, there is uh, to be able to see, you know, what, what Donegal can do when they do go out with uh, something at stake. And, you know, there's a lot of pride at stake there in terms of playing at home and first game of the year. And the fact that, you know, the team that's gone out in the field has never... You know, all these guys have not actually all played together before. So it, 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 on a lot of fronts, it, it's exciting. And that we're hoping that we're, we can take lessons out of that. In an ideal world, would you have liked more time to prepare with these lads? Yeah, well, I think you've answered the question there that you've asked. And there's no question about that. Look, we, it, just through circumstances, uh, you know, we, we were late into the game. And, uh, you know, if uh, like it, it does take time. And, I mean, on the winter evenings up in Convoy, uh, uh, the, the Donegal County Guard were good enough to give me a, a, a rain jacket and, and show at the very start. And I think I've used them every single time we've got together. But that's kind of the preparation behind the scenes that, go, that goes on. But, look, we are where we are. Uh, we've had a number of matches there. We've taken good uh, learnings out of that. And hopefully we can put that into together on Sunday. If you could broadcast one message or WhatsApp a message to the Donegal supporters at the start of the season, what would it be? Well, the one thing at the very core of what we're doing, at the very core of what we're doing, is the pride and the, you know, the opportunity to play for the county they love. And if we see that, that personality, the honest honestness, uh, the freedom to go out and play the game as to see it on, on front of them, to empty the tank completely. Uh, these might sound like old-fashioned values, but they underpin everything about successful inter-county teams. And I think, you know, the, there, there's well-educated people in, 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 and, and well-experienced people in Donegal football, and I think if they see that out there on the field starting this weekend in Balabafay, I, I, I think that'll be a good start. And if you'll permit me to move my last question from your current team to yeah. one of your former ones, yeah. you managed Kilmacull Croaks to an Ireland Club title, so you know what that yeah. euphoria feels like. What have you made of what's transpired the last few days? Ah, look, I, I feel exceptionally sorry for everyone involved, from the officials, both sets of management, both teams. It, it, it's an extraordinarily unfortunate thing to do. You, you mentioned that euphoria, winning an All-Ireland club title is it's like nothing else because you know the the absolute battle royals you have to go through uh, to uh, to even get outside your own own county like I mentioned that there just a reflection there it took 14 championship matches for us to win uh, you know including a number of draws and you remember the things the pivotal moments one time a ball hitting a crossbar in the Dublin final with a minute to go bounced out to one of our players driven up the field and across the, the bar for to draw it and, and, and literally the width of width of a crossbar so the, the margins are very very tight um, I would think you know it's it's and, and nobody and I'm sure that the powers to be in Crow Park 
they're not looking forward to trying to come up with a satisfactory solution um, you know the, and, and you can see the dignity that there is there in both clubs nobody is trying to do anything wrong or, or smart or underhand at all at the moment and I think that the sooner Crow Park can make a decision on this and move this process forward the better because everybody associated with the two clubs need to know where they stand as quickly as possible and longer term do we take a leaf out of soccer's book you know the player can't come on till the other player leaves the field and it's 11 aside it can be painstakingly slow to watch sometimes at the Qatar World Cup but yeah. is, a, is a simple tidy up like that the, the viable solution here well I think that stands to reason now I think that that's something that you know, uh, it absolutely stands to reason. It, 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 it would avoid that, and maybe that's why. You know, it is. It is a rule that it, it, it's not, it doesn't make the game any more attractive. So when you're waiting for some fellow coming off the field, tying his laces and pulling up his socks and everything, but at the same time, uh, it would avoid. It would avoid this. Donegal manager Paddy Carr, the man leading out Donegal this Sunday in Ballybuffet at around about a quarter to two, will be Kill Carr's. Paddy McBrearty. Now, by our count, he's the fifth Kilcar club man to captain Donegal at senior level. Michael Carr did it back in 1981. Martin McHugh did it twice in 1986 and again in 1993. Michael Hegarty, we gather, captain Donegal for one championship match. And Ryan McHugh was Donegal captain for a McKenna Cup fixture a season or two back. But now it's Paddy McBrearty at 29 years of age. He is the last remaining playing link to the 2012 All-Ireland winning team. Listen, I think any young lad growing up wants to be captain of their county at some stage, but uh, listen, since I came into the squad, it was probably Michael was always there and he was probably had, a, probably had the the point of view that he was going to be captain for, for eternity, but um, listen, he, he moved on and listen, I was just delighted when Paddy and, and Aidan gave me the shout and, uh, you know, very, very proud moment. I'm sure it's an obvious honour to be captain of your county does it feel a burden in any way? Nah, listen, nah, it doesn't. Hey, and a lot of people have said that to me, but nah, listen, uh, the first, the first thing I need to get right is myself, and you know, I need to be training right, and I need to be playing right, number one, before you can kind of command a dressing room. So that's that's been my main focus. And it doesn't change your game. I mean, you can lead by example by playing the way you do. Yeah, listen, as long as you're playing well, I think the lads will automatically you know you'll gain the respect and um, listen there's obviously things you can say in team meetings and in the dressing room you, and it's just about putting an arm around the lad and saying you know you know give him a bit of encouragement or maybe telling them a thing or two but um, listen much much doesn't change that way We were wondering who else from Kilcar has Captain Donegal Michael Carr might have done it in the very early 80s maybe Martin McHugh for a time in the early 90s but not too many Kilcar men have captained the seniors No so I think Michael Hegarty did it for one championship game as well but um, no it's a rare enough stat now Uh, I suppose all great players and a lot of good players have come out of Kilcar but um, as I say it was a very very big honour for the club there when they got the news two weeks ago Is the first match a good time to play Kerry? Uh, When is a good time to play Kerry really Um, you know listen there's a lot being made about who they're bringing up and you know what players are missing and what squad they're going to have up we haven't really read too much into that Um, we have 15 players there um, they're going to have to give it their all on Sunday and this is a big occasion a lot of lads will be making their debuts more than likely in the National League and uh, you know all Iron champions come to Balbuffet we have a really really good record there uh, over the last number of years and we're looking to maintain that There's probably an understandable little bit of apprehension around the county because it's been a seismic winter of change with Michael retiring a new manager 
Do you guys pay any attention to that going into a league campaign like this? Well, I suppose, listen, there's Donegal, you kind of can't get away from it. There's kind of, there's loads of rumours going around and, you know, you're kind of shaking your head at half of them. But, um, listen, we just kind of have to get on. If you did dig, 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 dig too deep into that there, you know, it would drive you mad. And, you know, listen, we'll hopefully get a get off the ground running on, on Sunday and kind of put, put a lot of those things to bed. Yeah. Will you be a, a talkative captain? No, I wouldn't be. I would have been. You know, I would only. I would ever. Sp- I would only ever spoke when I felt I needed to. Um, in fairness, any of the lads I played under, listen, any of the great players I came under, you know, they only spoke as well when they when they needed to speak. And uh, I'll do the same. Listen, um, if there's something to say, I'll say it, and uh, I'll not. I'll not uh, eat up a word count just for the sake of it. And I'm thinking, finally, Paddy, of the time, eleven or twelve years ago, when you came off. On a wet Sunday in Bally Buffet, took off your minor jersey, changed, put on your senior jersey for Donegal on the same afternoon. It's a nice milestone all these years later to be leading out the seniors now as captain. Yeah, listen, massive. Um, I suppose thinking back to those days, I was, I was just happy to get a, an appearance for the Donegal senior team. And I suppose 12 years on now, getting, I'm very, very lucky and uh, privileged to be leading my county out now on Sunday and uh, something I'll always remember. And, um, you know, I suppose thank all the players I've played with and all the managers I've had in Kilcar and Donegal that have, that have made that happen Do you text Michael Murphy for tips? <laughs> haven't I I think Murphy will start shaking the head of it but uh, no definitely not no listen I've, I've played with him long enough I've kind of picked, picked a couple of things up along the way Paddy McBrearty, the new Donegal captain, speaking to Ocean FM Sport this week ahead of the Kerry game on Sunday. And I was reminded while listening to that interview that he's not the only remaining playing link to the 2012 All-Ireland winning team because McCool's Marty O'Reilly is back in the Donegal senior squad this season and he too was part of the All-Ireland winning panel from 2012. 12. Donegal against Kerry will be live this Sunday on Ocean FM on our 105FM frequency from 2 o'clock. Commentary from Paddy McGill and Eamon McGee. Episode 1 of the Donegal GAA podcast for the 2023 season is now up online this evening. Just search for Ocean FM Ireland wherever you get your podcasts. Connor Breslin hosting it this week for the first edition and his guest is the Irish Indoors Get It Games correspondent. Uh, Colm Keyes and much of the chat is on Donegal against Kerry this Sunday. Well, next to Division 4 and the great escape begins for Leitrim Sligo et al. Leitrim first up on Sunday when they take on Waterford in Carrick on Shannon at one o'clock. This will be the first of three live commentary games on Sunday. There has been a bit of personnel change here as well. Team captain among those going travelling, David Bruin. Uh, others opting out also. But Andy Moore and his team have uncovered some new faces for the season ahead. This is his assessment of how Leitrim and the Leitrim management have developed ahead of the new campaign. Well, I'm definitely older. Austin, um, wiser. We, that's that's way. We, we'll wait to see. We'll wait to see. I'll let people make their own judgments on that. But in terms of um, knowledge of the players and knowing what they're like and their personalities and and uh, knowing their strengths and their weaknesses, um, yeah, I think we're definitely further along the line. I think myself, Barry, and and Michael Michael Solon would would, would definitely say we have um, we have a greater knowledge of uh, what we think we need. Um, and just hopefully then that translates into results on the pitches but like we've had a great summer in terms of myself and like Mike I, I suppose was was flirting with the Mayo job there for a while and James moved on to Longford but myself and Barry had a great summer um, 
Joe going around meeting people around all, all the various clubs around Leitrim and seeing players playing and uh, getting excited by the club championship. So that was lovely to see and it was it was great. And then you can bring these guys in in then to a squad and then try to work with them. So it's lovely to see that and uh, see guys developing in front of you. Looking in from the outside, Andy, nobody can say you haven't immersed yourself in this job beyond the team training, the matches and the county team commitments. We've seen you get so involved with off-the-field GA activities in the county, whether it is the 50 miles in January challenge and lots more besides. Does that sort of thing come naturally to you? Yeah, I, I, thanks for saying that. I, 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 I suppose when you're, when you're stuck in the middle of it, you, you might notice it. My wife might notice it more than I do, but it's... Um, yeah, I think that's the only way it can it can work. If if I'm going to ask players to go above and beyond what what they've normally done or where they've went before, I I think the the management team have to do the same. And and I would say if if that's me re- reflection uh, that people think we've really immersed ourselves, that's great. But I I look at the effort uh, Barry McGuinney puts into the whole Leitrim thing um, in terms of football, underage football, um, you know, club structures, uh, getting players playing, like going meeting people. It, it, it's amazing. So if I was going to come down or Luke was going to come down from Sligo or Mike coming down from Balladrine as well and we weren't going to do the same, um, I think that would be an insult to Barry and all the, the brilliant people in Leitrim. So I think that's just the, just the way it goes. I see... Joe Declan Bohan there, I see Enda Stenson, Martin McCartan, Brian Blake and the, the effort these guys put in behind the scenes in a county board level is amazing. So I don't think you'd have a, you'd have a choice in the matter, but it probably is, is our way as well that we, we like to get involved. And Leitrim being such a, a football-hungry county, um, very proud county when, when you travel to New York and London and you, you, you see the guys around the, around the place that are trying to willing to support and help um, I don't think you've, you, 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 it'd be an insult to these guys if you didn't immerse yourself in it. So um, I'm, I'm very grateful of you saying that, but uh, I think that's the only way it can be done. How much change have you made to the Leitrim panel and style of play over the winter? Oh, big question. Uh, see, a lot of, like the, the way it was explained to me when I, when I took the job Austin first was it, just in smaller counties, three might go one year, but then three might be returning from Australia the next year, you know, so you'd be losing three, gaining three. But we, we probably had the benefit of three full years of two of lockdown and then the third year coming up with guys qualifying from college, getting their degrees, going on J1s or going for the year to Australia. So we've had, a, we, we've had quite a bit turnover, quite a bit of turnover. Um, but some of the guys that we've got in are of the, 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 the highest order. Like you're looking at young McKernan from Balnamore, Michael McKernan, Raddick from uh, um, Alan Gales and young Barry McNulty from, from Manor Hamilton. Three really exciting young under-20s in, in the squad with us. Tom Quinn coming in from from uh, from Dublin, uh, from Castleknock, has, has been a huge help to the setup. Aidan Flynn returning from Leitrim Village. It's just been, it, it's been, it's been amazing the, the, the guys that have left, but who we've, who, who've replaced them and who's coming through it just shows the work that's been done at underage football in Leitrim that we can still produce quality players even though some people are leaving uh, leaving to go on their travels Do you set specific goals with your players? Do you sit them down and say right lads we want to win all our home games get promotion etc etc I think when you're in Division 4 I think all the A teams in Division 4 and this is not 
uh, being patronising to anyone. It's uh, I think all eight teams in, eight, in Division Four would set their goal out of we are going to try our best to get promoted this year. I think every single one. If you were talking to Tony McIntyre, as I'm sure you have. Like Tony would be blatant enough on that. He, he, they showed their worth. Sligo showed their worth when they went up and played Cavan and Crow Park. Well able to compete at at a higher level. And all the other counties, the Londons, the Wexfords, the Carlos, the Leishans and the Wicklows, the Waterfords, all the teams have would would say that if the, the goal isn't promotion, Joe, why why else are you why else are you playing? And uh, that's key. And I think last year was was a different sort of league um, where. You had two counties in Division 4 that realistically shouldn't have been in Division 4, uh, both Cavan and Tipperary, and they kind of showed their quality. After we bet Tipperary, people so- tend to forget that Tip went on to win five games on the bounce in Division 4, which is, like Austin, you've been following this for a long time with Sligo and Leitrim. That's a very, very hard task to do. And uh, both Cavan and Tip did that, and there were the two teams promoted. Both of them won Munster and Ulster titles in 2020. So they probably shouldn't have been in that situation. Where this year, it's probably a more, um, like Wicklow and Leash are really, really strong teams, don't get me wrong, but it's probably a more even Division 4 this year. So I think every team in it will be looking to, to get promoted in Division in, in 2023. And that's why... Division four is so difficult to get out of. Oh, that's a great. It, it like, I suppose coming down with a, a slight bit of ignorance toward towards the whole thing last year. Coming down from Mayo, it, it really, really is a, a good competition. Do you know, like we went away with great days down in Waterford. Tip, uh, John London had a great day on us over over in Ireland. Joe Cavan. Joe, like the travels and the, the joy and you could see the Leitrim crowd getting bigger and bigger as we moved along. Like the, I said, the yellow hats from the 50 mile challenge just got stronger and stronger as we as we kept going along. And we, we, when we had them three victories um, over Waterford, Carlow and Wexford in the in the middle of the league, you could sen- sense the, the excitement building throughout the county, which which was great for the team. And they, they got a different sense of, of what playing for Leitrim is like. And uh, hopefully we can kind of build on that. But it's a great competition. Division four is is really tight, really unique, and um, Joe, like I suppose the local teams, Sligo and ourselves, will be will be looking to really push on in in this season. Did the FBD game against Galway teach you anything meaningful? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, um, obviously we it was quite clear we were trying Nevin O'Donnell and goals who's an outfield player, which has been tried in in a lot of other counties. Um, Darren Darren. Uh, is there Darren Maxwell who was our number one last year is there so people seen that um, you could see the I suppose the development of uh, Reardon O'Rourke at number seven Aidan Flynn at wing forward Paul Keeney gets two great points from uh, uh, from midfield and he's kept his his, his form going from the club championship and he went in the last two games for UL and scored four points in uh Four points in either game for UL. They lost last night on penalties, but he got four points. He got four points the week previous. Um, so he's kept that form going from club right through now to his Sigerson and uh, in that FPD game. And then you had the emergence of, of, of young Barry McNulty, who came on at half time and played really, really well against Galway. In the second half, we competed really well. I think it was a draw game where Galway won by a point in the second half, which, which was really encouraging for us. And you start with Waterford in Carrick on Shannon next Sunday, then you go to London. I know some commentators tend to make a lot of the importance of a good start, but it does seem to apply particularly to Division 4. I was uh, caught in a few 
I'm not sure you'd call them relegation battles, but they were last day, either wins or Kevin McLaughlin getting an equalising point up in Donegal uh, to keep us up in Division 1. So that's the great thing about the league. If you get a good start, you can be very, very comfortable and competitive and go and try to win it. But if you get a bad start, then all of a sudden you're struggling to gain points from anywhere. So um, I've seen that throughout my years playing. Um, yeah, we're looking for performance, Austin, if I'm being honest. Just going in, performing really well uh, early on in the league. And um, Joe, it, it, getting rid of that inconsistency that is kind of... Joe, last year, Austin, it was different. We were looking for a victory. We hadn't won a game in two years. Um, and we, we, we got the victory against Tip. Then we kind of struggled against London the week after. But then our next goal then was to try to get back-to-back victories because we hadn't done that in over two and a half years. So... When we got that done in that little run between Waterford, Carroll and Wexford, it was really exciting and really going. So it's just that consistency of what we're trying to look for is going to be the key thing for, for Leitrim and all the, all the teams in Division 4. So if we can get that going and we can get it going early, as you were saying earlier, make Pork, Pork Sean a bit of a fortress where people don't like coming and playing. I think that's going to be a huge benefit. But listen, the league, the winter throws up crazy stuff. It throws up crazy weather. Um, and mad stuff happens and so we just need to keep control of what we can do and if that's performance and playing to our best John, that'll be exciting for Leitrim people And a final thought Andy away from the actual football when you see the way the county both at home and overseas is getting in behind something like the 50 miles in January challenge what does that do for you and for your players? Yeah, I got a very unique experience in February where uh, we went out to America to, to launch the, the jersey in, in Clark's Bar in McLean Avenue. And uh, we actually went to Tibbert's uh, Park and we completed the uh, end of the 50-mile challenge in, in Tibbet's there and uh, with the Leitrim Diaspora in New York. And it was just one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in terms of yellow hats, us all going around talking about Leitrim football. But... I think people sometimes lose sight what the GA is about, Austin. Um, of course, everyone likes to win, everyone likes to compete, but the GA is about community. And what 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 the GA gives people in in New York City and Leitrim people in New York and London and Chicago is is a sense of identity and a sense of community. And people from the Roman parish can meet up uh, and get involved in an activity that can help Leitrim GA and bring kind of business and uh, and uh, creation expertise to Leitrim. So I, I just think it's the most amazing uh, thing. Unbelievable work done by Mike Feeney, uh, Adrian O'Flynn, uh, Eamon Dynan and all these guys that have really pushed it. And to have the ladies involved this year, I think is really unique as well. And it's just, it's a unique thing to Leitrim, but it's a, I think it's an amazing activity to get people moving in January, I think was a great idea. Uh, but the community and the sense of, uh, I, I suppose, the sense of place of when getting it done is just, uh, is just uh, amazing. So, um, yeah, really, really happy to be involved in it. Um, love seeing the hats, love seeing the beanies. Um, I remember down in Tip last year looking across in the stand and thinking, Joe, just for a second, just losing myself, thinking, look at all the yellow beanies over there. And the, the, you could just identify the Leitrim people straight away, which would give us great energy on the sideline and the boys great energy on the pitch. So it's a lovely way to start off the new year. Uh, great challenge. Kudos to every one of the organisers and all the people taking part in it. And uh, listen, it's, it, it's just an exciting uh, thing to put Leitrim on the map, I think, straight away in the new year. 
Leitrim football manager Andy Morn on the beanies and the football. Let's talk to a man who already has his yellow beanie on for Leitrim against Waterford this Sunday. Martin McGowan will be part of the Ocean FM Sport commentary team in Carrick on Shannon. Martin, how do we harness all this positivity around the 50 miles in January challenge into two league points against the Dacia this weekend? Well, I suppose by getting a crowd to come to Park Sean McDermott and give the lads a a big cheer on and you mentioned it there you know in your interview with Andy about the importance of a good start um, we've seen that last year and to be fair in the first game at home to Cavan last year we, we, we found it difficult the conditions were poor because you know probably didn't just suit us as well as it suited Cavan and they wore us down and won by I think it was three or four points in the end you know but it was a very competitive game with Cavan we followed that up with a great win to blow in Tipperary which you know, if you would ask most Leitrim people before the start of the league, they would have taken two points out of four. The unfortunate thing for Leitrim, and Andy alluded to it there, was following it up with another win. And that London game was a bit of a misnomer. If you look at the league as a whole, it was the one rogue result that stood out in Leitrim's, in Leitrim's league campaign last year. So Waterford on Sunday, it's going to be essential to get two points on the board if Leitrim are going to make a push to try and get promoted from Division 4, Austin. Just before we get into the specifics of Leitrim's prospects in Division 4, for the teams in this league, do you think we're getting to a point where the league might soon carry more weight than the Championship for the Leitrim's, the Waterfords, the Sligos? Well, you know, I suppose in in a way it probably does, Austin, because generally speaking, one success leads to another and the most obvious place that counties like Leitrim and Sligo can get their first bit of success is probably in Division 4 of the National League where both counties find themselves at the moment and and if you look at the history of, of how counties like Leitrim and Sligo have progressed in, in championship where ultimately everybody wants to be winning a Connacht title I mean that's the, 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 that's the end goal I suppose in a lot of ways for, for some of the smaller counties to win that provincial title uh, it really is the end goal but if you look at the history of how the teams have achieved that like Leitrim's win in 94 was preceded by three or four very good years in the National League with a promotion from Division 3 to Division 2 went within a whisker and I mean, it was it was it was a whisker of going to Division One of the National Football League when there was four divisions there. Uh, it was a last minute point by Bill Sex for Kildare uh, got a draw against Mayo and it gave Kildare the extra point needed to catch Leitrim and led to a playoff. Otherwise, Leitrim would have been going through to Division One, you know, had it not been for that. So that's how close Leitrim were back in those days getting to Division to Division One. But that was the platform on which John O'Mahony, and that work was done by PJ Carroll, but that was the platform on which John O'Mahony built that championship winning team of 94. And and I would say the same in, in Sligo. Like, I, I still remember in the early noughties, Austin, where the National League semi-finals were played and the four semi-finalists were Mio, Roscommon, Galway and Sligo. And you know that was a very unique thing that the four national that the four national semi league finals all came from Connacht. I don't know how that ever happened before. So and and that led to a a, a good period for Sligo football as well. So to answer your question, Austin, yes, I believe at this moment in time, probably the league would take more importance for the likes of Leitrim and Sligo in order to start 
progressing in the championship. I think one would lead to the other. From what you've seen of Leitrim so far this season or watched the way that the squad has been assembled, do you think Leitrim have the tools to be genuine Division 4 promotion contenders? Well, I suppose if you were to go by, by the betting, I suppose Leitrim are third favourites. Leitrim are third favourites behind Sligo and Leitch uh, for promotion out of Division 4. And, and I would say that's probably about correct. Uh, I I I seen Leitrim uh, obviously against Galway and the, the first half Andy alluded to it there just didn't go to plan. Second half I thought Leitrim were very good and that level of performance will win a lot of games for them in Division Four. I I had the good fortune to see Sligo as well performing against Roscommon and I was very impressed with them. So I've absolutely no doubt about their credentials. I'm just not sure about about Leitch, but I I absolutely think that in Division Four. You know, Wexford and Wicklow, if they get on a run, or Carlow, if they get on a run, they can also be contenders. And it would be very remiss of counties like Leitrim to rule them out or take them for granted. I think every game in Division 4, in order to get promoted, you have to treat it like a championship game. Martin, very good. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Martin McGowan will be part of our Leitrim Waterford commentary team. We're on the air early, one o'clock on Sunday, to bring you full match commentary from Avant Money Pork Show Majirmada in Carrick on Shannon and our commentary on Sunday, courtesy of McManus Pharmacy New Line in Manor Hamilton. Well, there were 13 new faces in the 38 man squad announced last week by Sligo manager. Tony McEntee for the start of the Allianz Football League. Tonight, that 38 has been whittled down to a match day 26 for the visit of Leash to Markovic Park this Sunday at 2 o'clock. This is the Sligo 26 that will be togging out on Sunday. Sean Carabine, Donald Conlon, Mark Conley McGowan, Dara Cummins, Oshin Flynn, Kenny Gavigan, the sole Tor- Tor- Strand man in the squad, Connor Griffin, Paul Kilcoyne, Kean Lally, Jack Lavin of Ballymote, Daniel Lyons, Evan Lyons, both Shamrock Gales, Tubba Curry's Eddie McGuinness is in there, fit again, Paul McNamara, Nathan Mullen, team captain Niall Murphy, we'll hear from him in a moment, Luke Nicholson, Paddy O'Connor, Gerardo Kelly Lynch doing the football instead of the county hurling in 23, David Phillips, David Quinn, Alan Riley, Pat Spillane, St Mary's talented keeper Jack Teep is in there. So is St Malosh Gales, Luke Towie and Mark Walsh of Owen Moore Gales. Well, Sligo begin at home to Leash. Uh, six of the promoted players from the victorious under-20 squad uh, in the extended panel. Four of them are in that match day 26. Here is Niall Murphy's assessment of how the under-20 brigade are fitting in. There's no doubt that you know, we have two or three of those twenties who are attack-minded players. I think, look, to be fair to them, they're they're all still 20 years of age. I think um, they probably notice and maybe acknowledge themselves that in terms of conditioning and, and S and C, there's probably a step up. Um, so I think look, that's that's one area that, that them sort of lads will have to look at and improve. But in terms of talent-wise and skill-wise. Some of them have, have been excellent so far, and as, as Noel was saying there, you'd be expecting to see some of them throughout the league campaign as well. But yeah, look, in, in terms of forward, I think Sligo down the years have had very, very good forwards. Um, I suppose players that I would have played with, like some Mackie B and, and Aido, Marin and, and David Kelly, and these boys have now finished up. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's over to the likes of Paddy O'Connor and Carabine and these boys now to start to show the way to the likes of your Joe Keenies and, and Alan Riley, who had a great year last year as well. But yeah, no, I think in terms of up front, I think we're uh, we're, we're nice in numbers, and um, you can never have enough enough forward pedigree anyway. That's for sure. 
there'll be a fair lot of Sligo supporters who will feel that one of the key ingredients to Sligo having a crack at getting out of Division 4 will be a fit Niall Murphy. Where would you rank your fitness right now on a scale of <laughs> 0 to 10 where 0 is obviously bad and 10 is perfect? Probably a question there for Noel's answer maybe, but... Um, no, I, I'm grand. I, I know it. I, uh, I was just I was sick last week. I missed. I only played the last couple of minutes in the in the dome against Roscommon. But no, I, I'm 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 good again. I'm I'm fine again. I'm haven't um haven't really missed a session now since since December. So no, look, I'm 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 hundred percent bit of health. I'm hoping now and big suppose target for myself is that I stay that way for uh, the league and championship campaign. I know I missed. I think four games last year with with injuries and such, but um, yeah, a lot of focus on myself now with the medical team and the S and C team to kind of keep myself right. And as Gab alluded earlier, I'm getting into my thirties now, so I'm uh, I'm not getting any younger. And without telling Leash too much, what's the injury that you're monitoring, so to speak? Uh, nothing as of such at the moment, but I suppose over the years you start to. Uh, add up a couple of injuries and all towards the end of, end of last year was hamstring issues. I've had a couple of shoulders issues as well, so it's uh, it's something that you just kind of have to keep on top of now. And in terms of gym and, and pre training and stuff, it's uh, you know you'd be kind of strengthening your hips and your groins and your hammers and, and your shoulder work. So it's uh, our S and C there, Sean Boyle is, is brilliant at that, and he did, can incorporate that sort of stuff into my programs as well. So. You know, I'd be doing bits and pieces like that two or three times a week just to keep the keep the strength and the, and the mobility up in them. So, so far, so good this year. I'm hoping to have a, a full bill of health for the year ahead. Noel, the striking thing looking at the 38-man squad named by Sligo last week for the league, and I know it'll be whittled down, but it is the fact that there is one member of the seven-time Sligo County champions, Torla Strand, in the 38-man squad. Now, there may well be good valid reasons between injury, unavailability and guys have got to want to give the commitment number one but I'm just wondering to the outsider it probably does look a bit odd and I'm just wondering if you can give us a view on and this is the way it happens in some counties it works out that way there's no rule that says the county champions have to have the lion's share of the of the places but in a county like Sligo it does look unusual well, I suppose the fact that we only have one um Towards the player on the squad, yeah, probably from the outside in does look a little bit unusual. But you know, we we looked at a lot of games um, over the over the champ the club championship. We we were at pretty much somebody of the management team was at every game that was going on um, right throughout the, se- the the championship season. So um, you know, we 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 picked a panel based on what we saw, and there was we, we approached a lot of players and talked to a lot of players. Um, and look, it is what it is. That's the 38 that we've come down to. It's not that we're looking and saying we're not going to bring anyone from any club, be it my own club or whoever, maybe your tourist strand or whoever. We're picking a squad based on what we've, what we've seen over the, over the championship season on performances. And look, there may be one or two players that, that didn't make themselves available this year. Um, I know Conan Marin was on the squad last year. He's he has his final medical exams this year, so he he didn't make himself available. So you know, there's always going to be one or two that that, that have that have other things going on in, in their lives as well that that just can't make the commitment. But we feel that the, the squad that we have is is a strong panel. It's it's a it's a it's a stronger panel than we had last year, and we feel it's a panel that's, that's good enough to 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 get us um, where we want to be, and that's that's getting out of Division Four. 
Sligo Senior Selector Noel Maguire and before that team captain for 2023 Niall Murphy speaking during the week Sligo against Leash live this Sunday from 2 o'clock here on Ocean FM courtesy of Oats Brehany Group your local property expert. Finally tonight to the Racecourse Rebellion which is bubbling underneath the Sport of King's surface. Sligo Racecourse is one of five racecourses that have joined together to form a new organisation because of an ongoing row with Horse Racing Ireland over media rights payments. The Breakaway Group contends that the sports governing body is taking too big a slice of the money paid by betting companies for live pictures of Irish racing. Well, Mark Costello is general manager of the Irish field and he has more on this story. Live racing pictures are a very valuable commodity. It's worth about 40 million a year and that money is divided up among the 26 racetracks. And these five racetracks now, including Sligo, have decided that are queried whether or not it's been divided up fairly. And perhaps there's too much going to the tracks that are the bigger tracks in the metropolitan areas uh, and the ones that have the bigger races. And they're saying, let's before we sign any contract, we'd like more transparency. Exactly how much have you sold our data rights for, our picture rights for, and how are you going to decide who gets what money? And that's the background to why Sligo and four other tracks have decided to form their own group and refuse to sign the contract. And maybe they will decide to sell their picture rights to another channel. One can understand that the bigger race meetings with the bigger racing events will command a bigger sh- slice of the pie. But, you know, the five who have come together in this alliance are rural race courses. They are rural race courses. I guess Limerick is the biggest one. The other ones are, are, are your near neighbours, Ross Common, um, uh, Kilbegan in the Midlands, a very popular track. Curlis is a very important track as well. In um, uh, in the winter time, they're all uh, staging races there on a Thursday. Um, so yeah, they are rural tracks, um, and uh, at the same time, they're very they, they are very important. Together, they have fifty seven meetings. Sligo have nine. Um, and Limerick have as many as eighteen. So they represent about fifteen percent of all the race meetings in Ireland. So uh, if the overall deal was to lose those meetings, it would be pretty you know it'd be significant enough. But it, it might be hard for those five tracks just to sell. And to go along on their own as a package and offer it to betting companies that here, do you want to sign up to our media? Do you want, do you want to buy our media rights? Privately? They might find it harder to negotiate because there's only five of them that have to take whatever they get. So there always has been strength with all the race courses at one bargaining, you know, all collectively bargaining. And if you can go to the bookies and say, look, I represent the 26 race courses and we give it a whole lot of Irish racing on one go. They're really keen. Great. This is going to be so clean, a great deal. And they've generally done well. But now there's a few cracks appearing and some of these smaller race courses said, look, as you say, fair enough, the bigger tracks, they have big races, maybe more people will be watching the Derby than going to be watching a, a, a maiden hurdle in Sligo. But you know, we'd like it just to be honest with it and show us exactly how much, you, how much is horse racing Ireland taking for themselves as well. And that's a big part of the dispute. Um, these race courses are, the uh, five breakaway race courses are saying that horse racing Ireland is taking up to 20% of the media rights as a kind of a handling fee, if you like, for, for putting together the runners and riders uh, in the first place. Whereas in England, the, uh, the, the authorities over there only take 2%. So I don't know if they're accurate. That's what the breakaway race courses are claiming. So look, it all comes down to money in the end. And they just say, why, why won't you give us the full figures? And uh, uh, it, it, pressure would be on now, horse racing. I have to keep these five race courses in line because uh, if you start to, if the them start to fall away 
and they're doing separate media deals. It's going to get very messy and um, it'll lead to, you know, a lot of problems. The next time Sligo wants to be in the grandstand or something like that, or get an extra favour, maybe stage an extra race meeting, that, you know, they it might they might find they don't get what they want or, and, and there could be good reasons for that, but they might feel, oh, that's because we're the ones who kicked up. So I can see it leading to a lot of trouble if, if uh, HRI uh, can't keep everybody in line. So maybe Sligo will, will win a few concessions, on, for not just for themselves, but for all race courses, as an result of standing up um, uh, right now and, and asking for more transparency. Could you see more race courses joining this breakaway group? Well, I phoned a few other race courses uh, this week and I was not involved, not among those five. So what, what do you think is going to happen here? And, you know, everyone I spoke to said that we're sympathetic towards them at least because we're, we also kind of feel that we're not, maybe we're not being told everything, but we're afraid to stand up in case we get, um, uh, you know, disadvantage down the line. And maybe we're all better just taking what we get off the table and not, uh, not complaining. Uh, so they could get a bit more support. So I, I do kind of feel that um, they've been very brave. I do think that uh, they'll probably end up winning a, a bigger slice of the pie for the smaller tracks. What's interesting is that actually one of the reasons that well, you're, that one of the reasons that will determine the success of your race meeting is not the big races you have, uh, or, or whether you know the top three or Blackmore turns up or it's on television. It's the time the race is on. If you're the only race meeting in town, say during a cold snap like now, if Spider was on today, for example, and all the race meetings was off, can you imagine the millions of uh, betting shop punters around the world, not just in England, uh, who say, listen, all we have today to bet on is Spider, and so we have to look at it on our phones or whatever. And that this generates a lot of revenue in, in um, live streams, and uh, that's becoming hugely important now. So, you know, uh, we can see down the line that uh, race courses will be, it, it won't just be when you get the big races, it's that can I get a fixture on a day when it's not too busy? Uh, because that'll actually be more money for me. Uh, because Irish racing is, is really well liked around the world. It's seen as a very high integrity product, and people are very keen to bet on it. It's very entertaining. You have top horses, of course, as well, top jockeys. They know a lot of the names. And uh, if you can get the, 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 the show to yourself, so to speak, that there's only one or two other races on during the day, it actually adds up to your bottom line. That's Mark Costello, who's general manager of the Irish Field newspaper on that race course dispute over media rights. A reminder that the final whistle is available as a podcast each week on oceanfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts, simply search for Ocean FM Ireland to find it. We're back next week, same time, same place.